Okay, so today has been really different. Really, really different. So I talked about how in the spirit I was raped. And I saw a young boy, every young boy. He was the one who raped me with a girl with a shape like many Yaya, but it could even be my sister. I don't know. But today is so weird. Like, I'm fighting towards God. I'm fighting to hold on to God. And as I'm doing it, like, I'm just, like, doing my best to focus on God and block out all the nonsense and all the noise. And I just keep remembering what I was taking out the trash, I think, on Friday or Saturday. And all I heard was, Gunna is an evil genius. He is an evil genius. He is an evil genius. And I remember thinking in my heart, like, nobody's smarter than God. So I really, I'm really not worried about it. And the reason why I feel that I need to say that is because... You know, I, I don't put fear in my heart, you know. He might be very, very smart. Maybe he's even smarter than me. That's fine. But he's not smarter than God, and nobody can beat God. And God got me here, and I know that God has a destiny for me. I'm favored. It's an anointing on my life. I don't have no reason to fear nobody who, you know, so-called super smart, super strong, super talented, super crafty, super good at lying, super, you know, anything. Because my God is, has yet to ever lose anything. So I talked about when I was leaving my hometown, what someone said to me a week before I moved away to Houston. Someone said to me, they said, "Uh uh-uh, you did too much to move forward. You're going to die. And I I just couldn't, I couldn't forget how, you know, one day, at one point, like a couple years before that maybe, maybe a year or months, I don't even know, before that, I went on Facebook and this guy said, Somebody said to me, I feel like the devil just told me I did too much and I'm going to die. And the next day after that, he was dead. He was shot dead. And I was like, that's so crazy. It's like I manifest stuff because I thought that was so crazy. And I didn't know whether to believe it, but it's like the proof is in the pudding. He posted it on Facebook and now he's dead. Everybody's saying rest in peace to him. And like, do you really know before you're going to die? And then, you know, when I was younger, like 14 years old, my brother had a friend who kept talking about death. And then that summer, he got shot, too, and he died. So I started feeling like people know when they're going to die. Then it's Tupac lyrics where he kept saying he was going to be dead. He ended up dead. I think Biggie even spoke about it. He ended up dead. It's like, do people know? Do God give you that message? Do God send you like some sort of warning? What feeling do you get before, right before you die? So 
I was I just remember that being said to me and I remember thinking like wow like who am I to have you know people want to put a hit on on me or something like that I don't even carry a gun I've never threatened nobody's life in that way I don't get into stuff I don't even really go to jail I've never been in jail for nothing more than a traffic ticket or juvie and I just, well, juvenile detention, I just didn't understand it. I just didn't know. And I just was wondering, like, why Why do, you know, why would somebody want me dead so bad? Now, I made mistakes. I'm not perfect. But I just don't feel like it's nothing that warranted death. But is that really saying a lot when nobody deserves to die, really? I don't even I never even thought growing up that even serial killers, rapists and pedophiles deserve to die. As much as you want to wish death on somebody as worse as bad as they are or the worst things that they've done. They just don't deserve to die, not necessarily unless God determines somebody deserve to die. If God say it's time for you to go, then you'll just go. Nobody else can determine that. So God always taught me as a young child, do never never wish death on nobody and never tell nobody they're going to hell because you can be very well in danger of whatever it is that you say or wish on somebody else. So you got to be very careful. I always took heed when he said that because it was said to me so much. And don't say you hate nobody because there's no room for hate. Say you strongly dislike them, whatever else. But don't say you hate them. Don't keep saying you hate people. Don't wish this type of stuff. You know, power, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So... I always used to wish death on myself, though. So maybe that has something to do with it. But honestly, I really couldn't understand where this was coming from. Somebody came to, you know, I feel like the devil said to me, like, you're going to die, you know. And, you know, around this time, this is when I was getting closer to God, building up a rapport with him and getting most of my messages from him. Around this time, he said that I would be going to hell, but I was on my way to a top spot. He had a mission for me. He was sending me on a mission. And and God showed me he was very, very angry with the world. So, so super close to wiping us all out completely because we have no understanding of everything that he sees that people are into each and every single day. And I, who am I to question God and what he knows? He knows everything. But also, you know, I experienced different things where God said to me something pertaining to, like, abusive relationship. And I think I said to God, God, I will probably, I don't think that I would ever be, be in an abusive relationship. Your will, it, you know, your will be done on my life because, you know, I run away from situations like that. Men who are abusive, you know, situations that seem that they can turn into abusive relationships, but I never underestimated because you just don't know who you're dealing with. And you may meet someone and they may seem like Prince Charming or they may, they may seem like they make the world move for you and they end up being abusive and having a hold on you, which is why I try my best not to judge anybody and say I'd never be in a relationship like that because imagine how many women probably said that too and ended up in one. You just never know. So I never try to feel as if I or assume I know every situation or I can just judge anything. So 
I'm careful with things like that. I let God be the judge because all situations exist and nothing can be ruled out in this world. Things are, it's plot twists every day. Things, all kinds of crazy things are happening in this world. And you just can never say never and never think it cannot be you. But God, he, you know, he said something to me about an abusive relationship. And I said, well, who's abusive? I'm not with anyone right now. And I don't plan on being with anyone abusive. And he said, you know, but it's not going to happen. It's not going, it's not going to work. I'm not going to allow this individual to trap you into an abusive relationship for the rest of your life. That's what God said to me for the rest of your life. And I said, oh, not me, not me. And I was just like, thank you, God. I love my God. I love my father in heaven. Because, you know, he's on point and he's warning me. And I'm just like, God is so great. And he said to me that, you know, there's going to be a rapture soon. It's going to happen in my lifetime. And he's trying to make sure that I go. So it's very important that I, you know, follow instructions and be led and guided by him. And so I started taking things more seriously. He also said that my my demon hunter abilities the things that I am spiritually, they're going to manifest in real life and everyone's going to know about it. And I knew who I was ever since I was younger. God had been telling me. And I don't know if I ever, you know, imagined people, other people knowing too. I would tell my family, but it seemed like it would go in one ear and not the other. I didn't know if I'd ever see the day that other people were aware of who I was spiritually to God, the demon hunter that I was, you know, but God said that it was going to happen and I never needed for everybody else to know. I knew it and I believe God and I trusted him and I am who I am. I'm born to be this individual. This is the power that God's placed inside of me. So... I never needed anyone else to know, but he said that they would. It was coming a time where everybody would know who I was. And I'm just blown away. I'm blown away by everything that God is manifesting. He showed me who I would be. He showed me the woman I would become compared to who I was at the time. And it was com- completely different. Com- I'm completely different. And he said, don't worry about the how, that I would accomplish everything I've ever wanted to accomplish in my life. All my heart's desires will be fulfilled. He told me that all these things will happen. He asked me what powers I wanted. I said, all of them. And he said, I'll give you that. He asked me, I can have anything in the world. I said, wisdom and discernment in order to lead your people. He said, I'm going to give you everything your heart desires as well. You remind me of Solomon. All of these conversations I had with God. And then God said, I had the top spot. If I keep going, I'd have that top spot. And he sent me here on this mission and told me to revise the people here in Houston. I wonder why God would need for me to come here to do that instead of choosing someone in Houston to do it. But, you know, John 444 says a a prophet is, is respected everywhere but in their own hometown. So... Maybe he needed me to come to a new place for people to finally appreciate what I have to offer. Because my whole life I've been a demon hunter and nobody in my whole entire city ever said anything or knew about it. Or, you know, also Jesus didn't, you know, start showing his power till he was 30 years old. 
So only for three years did he even have an open ministry where people were aware of all the miracles, signs, and wonders he was able to perform and that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. So it could also just been it was the right time. It's perfect timing. And God is just preparing me or allowing my my the power he's placed inside of me to manifest right now because that's what it's time for. Or maybe they just didn't appreciate me the whole time. Either way, this is happening. And, you know, these things are happening so crazily. Things, a million different things at once are happening. And it feels as if God has me tackling so many different things. I feel oftentimes so overwhelmed. But he's given me such a support system. Even when it feels as if I'm the whole world is against me. And I feel isolated and I feel like I have no one. I feel like I can't trust anybody and I feel like I can't, you know, I, like I'm on, all I have is God. You know, even though all I do have is God, he's given me such a support system. At least, at least people who acknowledge who I am now, who won't ignore it. So today it's just like the conversation is being brought up, you know. Things have been a little different lately where I've kind of been like sort of slacking off a little bit with the fighting and the staying, you know, fighting very hard to be and stay in God's presence. Slacking off a little bit with that because I just realized how abused I felt. I feel so abused, so taken advantage of and just so tortured, like all day, every day. And it's like, I'm getting so exhausted. Like I've almost wanted to give up. And so the situation happened with Dirk when he had snakes around him. And then I met his mom who was anointed. And I just, I think the only question I had was because she was there and she made her, her position in God be felt, I felt, you know, the anointing that she had on her life. And I just wondered, you know, you were here the whole time and didn't say a word. You literally had to be, they had to announce that you were here. And I think that the question that I had was, how are you able to stay silent, stay quiet and stay in your position, you know, without everyone attacking you? You know, I hadn't met anyone else in this situation who, you know, wanted to help or took a liking to me at all. And, you know may have may be aware of a lot of the different things that we're fighting in the spirit here. But also, you know, wondering how much she does know because I know that a lot of people don't like me because of my past. A lot of people don't like me because of the things that has happened and they have their opinions and they choose their sides. People have reasons, feel like they have reasons not to like me. And I was just wondering how much does she know about me because I don't want her to say, you know, or feel like, she wants to support me, then she finds out some of the stuff that they're saying about me or things that have happened in the process. And then she's feeling like, well, I didn't know what I was getting myself into with you. So I I figure she must have known pretty much about me. Like, it feels like everybody else does, but I don't want to assume anything. Either way, I appreciate it. Even if it didn't ever go further than just me knowing someone else understands what it's like to be here fighting for God in a way that you have to with a lot of the different things that we're battling in the spirit here. So just even the, just to know I had company, someone who was also fighting, just the hope it it instilled in me was enough. But I didn't want to become too dependent on her because 
I don't want to drag her into my nonsense, my mess. So many things surround me. So many things follow me everywhere I go. And I just don't feel like it's fair. Somebody can say just as much as a hi to me and they're attacked as well. Like, don't say hi to her or they're turning them against me. They're pulling them into stuff. They're dragging people's lives into this. It's really that bad. So I just, I I really didn't even want to, you know, bring any of that, any of these things to her doorstep, but her advice to me was to leave my family and go to God now. Leave leave them. Leave young boy. Leave NBA young boy. I've been fighting for him because God told me that maybe he has a chance of making it in a rapture. And so I have been fighting for him. But it's like, no, leave him because he's the one who is. She didn't say this, but it's I picked up on this. He's pre, he's the one who's pretty much putting me through most of this. I don't feel like she said. I don't know if she said this, but he's pretty much the one who's putting me through most of this, and my family too. And these are the people I'm fighting the hardest for, and willing to die for. So it was difficult for me to oblige because throughout this process, everyone's telling me to leave my family, run, run away from this situation, go. You know, but I feel that God has me here for a reason. He sent me here on a mission. He gave me specific instructions and he told me upon completion of this task, will I make it into heaven? I want to go. So I'm trying to do whatever it is that God has me here to do. He showed me a prophecy of a demon which that controls millions of people and that I'm going to kill her eventually. The, the ending of this prophecy is she dies and these millions of people are freed from her wicked, cruel rule. And I want to complete that task. I want to do that for God because I want to go to heaven. He said he's trying to get me in the rapture. So maybe this is my ticket in and I want to go. So I don't want to run away from this, even though I don't doubt my God that, you know, he probably still will allow me into heaven, you know, just for being a faithful servant. So. I've just been fighting and battling different things, and these things have made me so much stronger. But as much as everybody told me to run away from my family and let them go and forget about all these different things and don't look back, don't keep fighting, don't stay here, all these different instructions, I tried to run. God brought me right back here, and it led to the deliverance of my sister and her unborn child with my niece, who is born now. And... I feel that that's confirmation and validation from God that this is where I'm supposed to be and that I'm not supposed to keep running down. I'm supposed to keep fighting and maybe there is a better way for me to go about it. Maybe I can't stop allowing people to take advantage of me as much as they are. Maybe I can focus more on God and stop slacking off, you know, thinking that I'm, you know, getting comfortable, getting more and more comfortable by the day. I can stop doing that, but I can't stop. I can't leave here. I can't. I can't give up, not on these people, not on this mission, not on this task, not on God, not on myself. So I found my purpose and my destiny that day. And ever since I just, you know, been fighting and battling these different things. And I've been feeling so, so strained. So today, lately, what I've been hearing from different individuals, you know, is like, I don't like you. 
I don't support you. It's like it, it's like it almost feels as if they are, you know, openly rebuking me, openly, you know, speaking their mind about how they not on my side. They don't rock with me. They don't really care for me for real. But they think that I'm a good example for their daughters. And I mean, that's as good of a compliment as any when you know that someone doesn't like you and may even be, you know, actively fighting fighting against you. But you think that I'm a good example for your daughter. I want to be that. That's what I do it for. It's not the only reason, but it is a big reason. The children are our future. And the thing about that is, like, I've always said to myself, I wasn't afforded a lot of things. I didn't have a lot of a, a good example in a lot of ways. God is my only my only source of knowledge, information, or truth when it comes to a lot of stuff I just do not know. I'm ignorant to. And I would love to be that for someone else. I would love to pave the way for to make it easier for someone else to learn the things I wanted to learn, have the things I didn't have. Because a lot of this bad stuff happened to me, I want to make my life mean something so that it doesn't have to happen to someone else. I've never let something happen to me and said to myself, I'm going to be a bad person because of it. I've always said, you know, I'm going to make this make me a better person. I'm going to make this, I'm going to let this motivate me to understand for someone else so that the cycle doesn't have to continue. I want to break the cycle. I want to be the difference. And for people to say that, I, you know, their daughters look up to me and that they are the only reason they even entertain me is because of their daughters. That's fine with me. Actually, I think that's beautiful because what I wouldn't do to have somebody like me, honestly. What I wouldn't do. This is why I appreciate recently this individual who's shown up because it feels as as if she understands, you know, what I'm going through. And it kind of shows how much I need someone like me. But I still feel I can't depend on anyone but God because I've been betrayed by everybody around me. And I had nobody but God for a while. But I'm fighting through this. God is fighting this battle for me. And I will I will win. God will win. I know this. But throughout this process, I kept seeing, though, like every few months, I see Gunna driving a car. And it's, I look back. I would look somewhere. And I would look back. And it's like. No, it's not actually him. It's a random stranger. But I'm, I swear I see him in people's faces. I'm like, why do I keep seeing Gunna? Why do I keep seeing him? I'm like, there's something there. I feel that God is showing me that there's something there. But not until it's time. Not until it's time. I felt the same way about Dirk. And... Th- this is what happened when I approached him about the snakes. I just felt like, you know, I just felt like just do it. And so I did. And I didn't even feel like it was time. 
but throughout this process because I just have to trust God and be led by where God is leading me. And throughout this process, what happened was I felt I heard myself say, the time is coming, the time is approaching. So it's like everything is panning out exactly how it's supposed to. Even though it didn't feel like it was the time, God is going to guide me and lead me there. I don't have to know. I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up. And I probably would have by now because these demons that are plaguing my life, they cause me to self-sabotage daily. I would have messed this up if I could have. I can't mess this up. This is God's will. And that's just a reminder, another reminder. And I get so happy and I cry each and every single time God is showing me what he's working and doing through me as his vessel. So, you know, finding out that Gunna has a daughter, I feel like maybe that may have been, you know, has something to do with, you know, feeling as if I felt you know, somehow called by God in a way in his direction. And then his mother too. And then maybe possibly his mother. And I think Dirk has daughters too. And like maybe these things play a part, you know. And even Luzi Vert has daughters. And it felt that he wants me to be example for his daughters, even if he doesn't really like me or he has different things against me. But... Throughout this process, I just I just don't know how to feel because I feel like I can't really trust anybody. I want to remain loyal to NBA Youngboy because in the process of everything that was going on, when everybody turned their back on me, only he showed up to sit with me and stay with me for a while, even though I never trusted him either. I knew I only had God. I only trusted God, you know? But he was there. And then I saw a future vision, a future prophecy of him, which I also do not trust. And then my brother, you know, being there and saying, he's not letting this happen. And it makes me just not trust him more. And then God even said to me, he set this up. He set all this up to look like he's your knight in shining armor. You know, do not trust him. And I haven't let that go. I haven't let that go. I'm fighting every day. You know, it was a whole time period where I felt that he was torturing me. And my stepbrother, my dad's wife's son, who I actually got into a fight with, and he broke my nose, he stepped in and defended me against him. So I feel like all of this is more evidence on how not, why, why I definitely should not be trusting him. God made you know, my stepbrother, my knight, for how much he defended me when it came to NBA Youngboy. And if God will make him my knight before he makes you my knight, and you're supposed to look like the knight in shining armor, I feel like that's evidence, more evidence than it it even had to be because I should have just listened to him the first time when he said, do not trust you. But I did, and I'm just fighting and battling these different lies and deceptions of Satan. So I'm going through so much in this process, and What I'm finding is that, you know, I don't think that my family is the enemy either, though. You know, as messed up as it feels like it's been and how much it feels like they've abandoned me and taken a bait in order to, you know, 
kind of like sell me over to be hurt. As much as they feel like they drag me down, I still don't feel like they're the enemy. Because why would God give me the opportunity to save my sister? You know, he had me here going through all of this in order to save her. But he said it was for a baby. Well, that's what Satan said. But Satan is a liar. So, because how can Satan say it's for the baby? That's an innocent child. When has Satan ever cared about innocent children? And then on top of that, you know, he said like almost six months before that, you're not going to be able to save your brother though. And God said, Satan is a liar. Why would he come and say that to you? Unless, of course, he was afraid that you would. So that feel like that's also an admission that you know that I'm going to be able to save my sister though. So you're saying right now, you're not going to be able to save your brother though, because you know, I'm going to be able to save my sister. And then on top of that, when the time comes, you say it's for the baby. You already said I'm saving my sister without saying it. Then you want to say it's about the child. Yes, it's about the child, but it's about my sister too. It's about my whole family. I don't feel that I'm supposed to leave them. I don't feel that that is the right thing to do. I feel that they are being used by Satan, like God said. God said demons have taken over their bodies and that they need to be saved. And I saw a vision of Satan guarding my family, you know, confident that I would not be able to free them while they starved and almost and, and pretty much died, sitting there dying and crying. As I fight so hard, fighting very hard to my body aches, praying and worshiping to my body aches, and I'm falling out, passing out, fainting. I, I saw myself in heaven one night, and I got sent back, and God said, you're going to want to get your brother. And another day, you know, Satan was just saying to me, okay, I'll let you go right now with everything, your power, your destiny, you know, your future. All you have to do is abandon your brother. Like, why would you... You know, say I can't get my brother, but try offering me a deal to abandon him. If you were very, really so confident that I wouldn't be able to get him, then you would never offer me no opportunity to leave him then. And why does he, why does it mean so much to you that I leave him? Probably because he's been fighting so hard for us this entire time. So I said, no, I'm not leaving, not one of us. And I kept fighting and now I'm here fighting still. And I know I'm so wrong oftentimes, like, because I'm not fasting as much as I should be. I'm not praying as much as I should be. I'm praying all day, but I'm not on my knees praying as much as I should be. You know, I'm not putting in everything like I could be. But I'm doing so much, and I'm suffering so much for it, too. So, I'm torn. I'm really conflicted. Because help is being offered, but I feel like, can I trust that? Because it feel like the whole world watched me be tortured that year. That whole year, the whole world, the whole world watched me be tortured and almost killed. God was the only one who was there to save me. A few people helped. Like, I saw my brother try and pull demons off of me. And I think even NBA Youngboy tried to pull demons off of me, but 
it's so it's so debatable because what happened was he wasn't even going to help. I was just like, where was he? Because all I kept hearing was his name that whole year. I heard it over like a million times. So I was like, where is he? And he was scared. Like, he didn't even want to, you know, step up. But Jesus allowed him to. And he pulled it off of me, you know, a little bit. But Jesus did most of the work. And I remember Jesus looking at me like, I can't believe you're looking for him when I'm right here doing all the work for you. And I wanted I wanted Jesus to I know Jesus know my heart that I wasn't putting him over Jesus. Well, why would Jesus say that or feel that way if I wasn't? Jesus knows my heart, so maybe I was in a way. But I wasn't though. And I didn't I didn't mean to make I didn't I didn't mean to make Jesus feel that way. But he helped. The thing about it was, you know, he was actually able to pull the demon off of me a little bit. But Jesus had to allow him to, though. And at first he wasn't even going to. At first he was hiding. Scared to approach Jesus. Actually, he was, like, scared of Jesus. He was super scared of Jesus. Or Satan. I think they said it was Satan he was scared of. But Satan won't be nowhere around Jesus if Jesus is in the room. So I don't know. I think it was Jesus he was afraid of. And why would he be afraid of Jesus if he was doing the right thing? So many questions. But why would he even be able to, how would he even be able, well, Jesus can allow anything. So that's the answer to that question. But I saw a group of women, like I saw in the beginning of this entire process, a group of women approached me and they were all very angry. And they told me to put on a clown suit and they snatched my clothes off. And they were just so angry cursing me out. But I couldn't make out what they were saying. It's like I was deaf to everything that they said. And then NBA Youngboy just broke through a veil and came and grabbed me. But I didn't feel like he was on my side either because he was laughing with his friends. And I just felt like it was wrong. My brother was locked up to a couch in his house. It was so weird. And then my other brother was there, but he was dapping up this other guy who I didn't know. And I'm like, are y'all cool with him? I can't tell. You know, things just, everything is so mixed around. Everything is so mixed around. But on the day... That this demon was pulled off of me and it was falling off of me. This guy who I feel that raped me. He was fighting so hard for me too. Even though he was laughing at me. He was fighting for me. And he approached me. And it's like the whole world kind of blacked out around him for a second. But I don't want to hear it because I said to myself, we can't come to an agreement or any type of like understanding on the rape situation. You don't feel like you raped me. I feel like you did. 
and I feel like he used to resent me for that. And I'm, I can't tell you that I don't feel raped when I'm standing in my truth now. I won't lie to myself no more about that. I felt raped by you. I'm being honest with myself. And Jesus didn't even take sides. Jesus said, you feel raped. That's what it is. That's how you feel in your heart. You're not lying. But he didn't feel he didn't rape you. He's not lying either. It's just... I don't even want to call it a misunderstanding. It's like... Maybe it's society, really. You know? A lot of times women are giving off signs and, you know, showing showing signs, obvious behavior, that they're uncomfortable and they don't want to go through with something and men are bypassing those signs and maybe not even able to really think straight when their blood is rushing or whatever. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just saying because we went through this situation and because, you know, Jesus didn't necessarily, you know, feel as if he was, I want to say Jesus said he was wrong or not. I would just say that Jesus said that he doesn't feel he's lying. And I didn't feel I was lying. And it was a big debate about this situation, but I, I know that Jesus knows my heart. I know that Jesus knows what's really real about this situation because I was molested when I was younger. And for so long, I told myself, I asked for it. And when I got older, a couple years ago, about five years ago, Jesus came to me and said, you were molested. You were taken advantage of. And this is affecting you and you are going to heal. I'm going to help you heal from this. He confirmed that for me. He validated me. No one would have ever done that. Ever. No one in my family. Well, that's actually a lie because on my dad's side, they had been validating that my whole life, but it was the way that they were doing it. They did it embarrassingly. Oftentimes, they would blurt it out in front of the whole world and just, you know, scream it at the top of their lungs and just tell people, you know, so freely as if that wasn't a scar or a wound I was battling and going through. So I didn't feel that they really genuinely cared for me because it's like, no one really want to get me help, but everybody want to talk about it. But I didn't let that affect me, not as a child, because I was just happy as a child. As I got older, it affected me more in my relationships. And I do think it, felt, it affected that situation where I felt raped by this guy. And a few more situations, but I never talked about these situations because I always told myself I asked for it. I was asking for it. In a way, that's what I was saying in my heart. And Jesus is validating me. Jesus is, Jesus is validating me on these things while men are trying to, you know, kill me. Really trying to kill me. Take me out of this world because I'm standing up for myself. Because I'm standing up for what I believe in. Because I'm standing up and saying, you know... I felt raped and men oftentimes are bypassing all kind of red flags and signs when women feel uncomfortable and they're pushing themselves up on them and then it's rape. And then we're just supposed to be like, oh, you know, I want it. I wanted you. 
you know, I don't feel that I wanted you. That's what's in my heart. And you know what the crazy part about it is I never tried to pursue this guy with the police. I never tried to go and confront him about it. None of these different things. I I was going to let it go and heal with Jesus Christ. These people came for me. They showed up reading my mind literally. Trying to search my heart with witchcraft. And then trying to kill me because what they found in it. And I'm wrong. People are reprobate, reprobated. They, they're backwards. They think evil is good and good is bad. They are backwards. And so this is what I'm battling. And so if I have a whole woman army behind me, I'm quite surprised, actually. I, I mean, I feel like I shouldn't be because... Of course, I feel like a lot of women will understand what I'm going through. A lot of women do understand what I'm going through. A lot of women have experienced what I'm going through. A lot of women agree with what I'm saying and how I feel about this. But I felt as if they didn't agree, they didn't, you know, support me because I'm choosing to be 100% obedient to God's word. And oftentimes that looks like submitting to men who don't know how to lead and because I'm not submitting to men who don't know how to lead. Jesus is not leading me to do that. But first, I have to learn how to be a humble woman. I have to learn how to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And I hate saying that because it's like it's so much more to it. Not just Proverbs 31. It's the whole Bible. I have to learn how to be a woman of God first. And that requires me submitting over a lot of a lot of things that I may have once felt like I was entitled to like letting so many different things go and a lot of women just don't agree with it they just don't agree with it they feel like it's dated they feel like you know women aren't appreciated as they should be as much as they should be in the bible they just don't agree with a lot of the different things in the bible and a lot of different things that it requires from us like women can't be preachers, we're not allowed to talk in church, and it's, you know, when when we have sex before marriage, we're like shunned and almost stoned to death. But when men have sex before marriage, it's like overlooked. It's not a big deal, you know, the double standards and. You know, the men being able to have multiple wives, but not the women being able to have multiple husbands. Not that, you know, women just automatically want to have multiple husbands, but it's just such a double standard, it feels like. But I'm trusting God and all that he's leading me to do. I'm just going to become everything that he requires for me to become. But if it's very, like, if it's, if that was really NBA young boy that raped me, and I'm seeing a future vision of me possibly marrying my rapist. I, I can't wrap my mind or heart around why God will ever want that for me. And so this may be a big part or portion why a lot of women don't want to support me. Or can't really, you know, can't really agree with a lot of the things I'm going through. I never truly accepted that vision as my future because there's so many reasons to doubt it. But 
wanting to be 100% obedient to God has me saying and has me living by. If that's what God, if that's God's will for my life, I'm not going against God. And it sounds so messed up even coming out of my mouth because it's like, if you want that or something, and I, I feel like I can't stress enough how much I'm truly, I truly don't understand it. I truly don't feel like, you know, that makes sense for God to ever want that for me. You know, I fight so hard for a different future, honestly, because I don't believe that's my future. I don't. I believe that if he has the ability to rate me spiritually, if he has the ability to read my mind, manipulate my heart, and turn a whole bunch of people against me to come and look like he's my knight in shining armor and when he set it up the whole time. If he has the ability to do all of these different things, then could he have the ability to manipulate a future vision of me? But what's difficult about this is that God has given me a word on him saying that maybe he will make it in a rapture, which is complicating things so much more because it feels that even God is possibly validating him in a way when he's saying maybe he can make it you know despite all that he's done and even LeBron you know I've had different experiences where I was with a guy and I shouldn't have been fornicating I was wrong I I I I've been wrong in my past. I've sinned. And I'm being transformed by God now. That's my past. But he showed up and possessed this man's body. As I, you know, got intimate with this guy. And I feel that's rape. I never consented for him to be there. And how does he have the ability to do that? But... He was the one who brought me into God's presence. He escorted me into God's presence. And these things, they don't make sense to me. They don't. Because it feels like it's such a double standard. It feels very unfair. Like, I know I was wrong. I shouldn't have been fornicating. I shouldn't have been with a guy outside of marriage. But does that somehow validate rape? Would would God ever validate rape? No, he wouldn't. I know my God. I know my God in heaven. He would never validate rape. But I feel that this is probably a big portion why a lot of women have trouble supporting what it is I'm doing here. Because God said, you know, my encounter when LeBron brought me into God's presence was, God said, you're going to be even more than he is. And he's worked very hard to get here because he had to. And he and I said, you know, I'm going to be even more than he is. And I saw what level he was at. He was like, yes, you are. And I was like wondering why. And I couldn't talk, but, you know, he, you know, told, he was going, he was, going to require LeBron to tell me, but he wouldn't say anything. 
And God almost struck him. I saw it. And LeBron flinched. But I think that what he was saying was, he's the reason all this is happening to me. My whole family was fighting, and I feel that he was, God was saying that that's, that's why I'm going to be even more than he is. But it's going to be after I complete the work because I'm still not even who I'm supposed to be. And I think it comes down to knowing who God is. The fact of the matter is he's wrong. We're all very wrong every day in our lives. And it's not validating him or justifying anything that he did. We're all very wrong in our lives. But just because he's wrong doesn't mean that I'm, you know, just going to get whatever right now before I'm even made ready. You know, pretty much what it is is. You have to become the woman that I know that you will be in me, you know, and that's going to bring consequences and and, come, and everything is going to fall into place through you doing the work. Upon completion of who you are to become in me, they will receive consequences for everything they did to you. And that's who our God is because he's not about to ignore how wrong you've been. The fact of the matter is, if I was to die right now, I would be going to hell for all the sin I've committed. Not right now, right now. Maybe even still right now. But before, when I had my trial in heaven, he said, if you were to die right then, you go to hell for what you did and how you were behaving. Because even though you were innocent in this situation, you are still very sinful in so many others. And people can't handle this conversation. This is when usually a lot of times women check out. Men check out. They check out because they're like, no, I don't care. He's wrong. He did this. He should never did that and so on and so forth. But it's never consequences on one side because the fact of the matter is if this situation never approached my door, if this never even happened to me, I was going to hell for what I, the way I was living. And that's the facts. And this is not me justifying, validating, or... You know, or, you know, trying to make them seem any more innocent. And this is a lot of, this is, this is why a lot of women have difficulty, you know, supporting, supporting what I'm talking about, supporting what I'm, what I'm doing here. Because they feel like, you know, no, no. If you were raped, then he deserved consequences. You just should just be like slap on a wrist or something. But I don't agree with that either. Not after experiencing God in the way that I've experienced. I don't I don't agree with that either. Because I want to be better. I really do want to be better. I want to be the best that I can be anyways. So that's something I was going to want to accomplish in my life anyways. And I was going to have to one day make up for my sins. And I knew that. And for anybody to say, you know, I don't care what I did. I just want them to have consequences. You're wrong. Even though it sounds messed up to say, because they did what they did and when they did what they did, everything that I've ever done has to be brought up in order to somehow equate that. That's messed up. 
But that's not what God is doing. That's not what he's doing. What he's saying is, I'm going to make you everything you've always wanted to be anyways in the process. Consequences are going to be had for them. It's all according to God's will. He's not letting them off easy. They're not getting away with what they did. They are being judged. And he's doing it through me as he prepares me to be who I'm destined to be. So it's difficult oftentimes for a lot of people to grasp that or want that. They say I'm a robot. They say that, you know, men are using me. Men are controlling my mind. Men are, you know, making me a slave master to women or something like that. Like they're somehow trying to whip women into shape through me. And I know it looks like that. And Satan is so crafty how he wants to get you to believe that in order to keep women out of heaven. Because what we don't understand is that I know this is an accurate percentage, but I've this is something I've read. 60% of women are going to hell nowadays. And it sounds so unfair and messed up. But I want to compare and be a young boy situation. He has a history of abuse on women. He has nine children from seven different baby mothers. And I even have an experience where he raped me. But he has a better chance of getting into heaven than any of them. And that's God's word. And why would that be? Is that because God makes mistakes? Absolutely not. So I trust God. And it sounds so bad because oftentimes I look like I'm a tool for men or tool of men. But I'm God's vessel. And when he says something about somebody, despite what I feel or how I feel that I can judge, I know I'm not ever a better judge than God himself. And then there's another situation of three judges, three wicked judges who sat, you know, on a board judging people so wickedly and so unfairly. Two women and one man. Only the man has a chance of even being given opportunity to repent. The other two, they're just being judged. They don't even have an opportunity for repentance. Only the man has an opportunity for repentance. The reason why? It's because these two wicked women were so wicked, they never cared. They just did what they wanted to do. This man, as wicked as he was, he tried to be fair in a lot of situations, but they overpowered him. This is why he has an opportunity for repentance. God knows all our hearts. Oftentimes, we as women, we like to jump to, and I don't want to speak for all women, but a lot of us women like to jump to the conclusion of it's a double standard and we're being treated unfairly as women. And, you know, men are always let off so easy or get away with more. But God is a perfect judge. He does not make mistakes. And you just have to trust that because you're never going to be able to see as much as he does. He knows everything. He sees everything. He understands everything. He never makes a mistake. He sees our hearts. He looked into this man's heart and he saw that this man really did want to make better decisions sometimes. And he he wasn't given opportunity to. This is why they're not given opportunity for repentance. He's given opportunity to repent. He I don't know if he's chosen that he will or won't yet, but all I know is that 
God is never wrong. He showed me. I was there. They did not care at all. They were, you know, majority responsible for most of the wicked judgments that they made. That was made on these people. All the suffering of these people at the hands of these two wicked women who just do not care. And this man, he cared. A portion of him cared. And that's what got him his opportunity for repentance, not because he was a man. If it were the other way around, and it was the woman who had a portion of her that cared, and the man and the woman else, the other two out of the three, were wicked and did and overpowered her, she would have had the opportunity for repentance. But it just wasn't what it was. And I'm sure, I'm so sure that Satan has it set up. Well, Satan doesn't have power. God is in control. But I'm so sure that Satan is using people to make this look so bad. Because it can. I mean, he's going to use whatever he can. He's crafty. He's such a liar. But God is perfect. And so you have to trust him. And I trust him. And that's what's so messed up about it. Because... Maybe for him to be a young boy, and I think that may be dependent on me fighting for him, choosing to continue to fight for him and get him in. Even after I'm the one who had been done so wrong by him. But I trust God. I trust his word on someone. I trust his word, period. So Whatever feelings I thought I had, I'm wrong. If it don't align with what God's word is. And it takes a really big person to do and say that after everything. But that's what he's making me. So I love him for it because I feel so different. I'm so transformed and I have so much more joy and peace and happiness in my heart and my soul. I'm free. I'm being made free. I was in chains my whole life. I know that there's still a demon even plaguing my life right now that I'm fighting every day. Does that justify other people's behavior towards me? Absolutely not, because they're not in a position to treat me that way. Only God is. Yet still, this is what it is. And I'm accepting responsibility for my life. And I'm going to do everything I can to be the woman that God does for me to be. And that's all there is to it because anything outside of obedient, being 100% obedient to God is allowing Satan to use me. And of course he wants that. This whole plot and ploy is to tear me away from my destiny and get me sent to hell with him for the rest of eternity. I'm not going into the bottomless pit with him. God said he wants to get me in a rapture. I'm going to heaven with God. So whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it because I trust God. I know he's not wrong. He's love. And if I feel that I'm just so right that I'm just real big and bad and ready to go to hell for the rest of eternity, I probably deserve it by then. I'm not going. And anybody who agrees with that, anybody who wants to go to heaven, anybody who wants to be raptured too, they, you know, you, you don't have to believe everything that I do because I'm still making mistakes. But trust God. Choose him. Don't feel like you know better. Because you don't know better than God. Nobody does. 
And this is the tricky situations that God has to show his power in. Because Satan, he's just a really good liar. So I wanted to come on here and elaborate a little bit on what I've learned in the process of being transformed. About myself, about women, about God. So in the process of everything that I've learned, the biggest, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that as honest as I thought I was being on myself, I really wasn't. Like, when God shows you the truth and it, and it, <clears throat> and he, when God shows you the truth and he requires for you to stand in it, it's so difficult. It's so different because, excuse me, everything that you thought you knew your perspective, your judgment, when it has to be corrected, you know, it's sometimes very hard to look in a mirror and see how wrong you've been. Like for me, a big portion of it was like, I really thought that I was being so honest and I thought that I was so right. And I would say, you know, God's going to avenge me and you're all wrong and, you know, Jesus is the Jesus is my defender and all these different things. And God told me to humble myself. He said that I was the one that was wrong, that I was the one that was behaving in the wrong manner and that I needed to humble myself before his father. And it was a wake-up call. Because as wicked as everyone was being around me, he checked me. And I asked him many times why he did that. I said, God, why are you always reprimanding me instead of them? And he said, because you're one of my own. I can't, you know, he can do whatever you want to do. But I'm not going to check them. I'm going to check you. Because you're with me. Just like a parent. They are not, you know, they may not be, they may not have the ability to fix, reprimand, or or render out consequences for everybody else in this world around you that may be wrong or may be pressuring you or may be wicked, but they can check you in order to save your life, in order to protect you. All they can do is teach you how to act, teach you how to behave, teach you what environments to be in and what not to be in because they cannot change this world. God can change this world though, but he's given us free will and choice. So if you're choosing God, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be a good representative of him. So he's going to reprimand you every time. You're not behaving in the manner you're supposed to. Someone could be beating up on you, bullying you, torturing you, tormenting you, cursing you out, fighting you. But he's going to teach you how to behave in that circumstance. He's not going to check them if they're not checking for him. So it was difficult to grasp for a while because I said, I'm the one that's the victim here. I'm the victim here. I'm the one that's always being treated like 
I'm the abuser, I'm the problem. And it's because God has shown me my future. In my future, I don't even, I never find myself in a situation or a circumstance where someone can even do me like that. I never find myself in an argument or a fight, being tortured, tormented, or ever around the wrong kind of people or environment because he's trained me up. God has trained me up to prevent these things, to behave in a manner with my mind never even allows myself to go anywhere near a situation or a circumstance that would ever put me in that position. When you are walking according to God's word, when you are obedient to God, you start to realize and understand that if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're around wicked individuals or these things are affecting you or moving you in any way, It's because you are placing yourself there. It's a way to take preventative actions. It's a way to, you know, take preventative measures to never see yourself ever in that place. And that's what God is training me up to be. So in the process of me being transformed, I'm realizing like I have to train my mind. God is training my mind to never even think of a negative thing. You know, I have to pray all day and be in the presence of God all day and fight negativity all day. And I have to fight towards this future version of myself that I've seen because I'm not her yet, but I will be. Also, he's exposed a lot of demons inside of myself. That I've been carrying since a child. And it's very unfair. Because a lot of these demons entered me in unfair circumstances. You know, due to struggling. Due to ignorance. Due to not having the right examples. Due to not being provided for correctly. Due to abuse. And... It feels unfair, but what am I going to do? Am I going to blame the circumstances and the situation in the world and not be better? Or am I going to be get better, take responsibility, take accountability, and heal? This, these are my only options in order for me to ever have a future in God. So I had to start taking responsibility And I'm still doing my best to take accountability every day. So also what he exposed inside of me as I worshipped is that these demons have such a hold on me that I don't even have control over my body. You know, not yet, not until I'm freed of them and I'm fighting them every day. I don't even have control over my body. This is not even me. I haven't been myself since a kid. So a lot of times when we feel like we're so right, it's not you. Satan is so good at lying. He is so, he is such a good liar. He is, he's just such a liar. I don't want to say good anything. Satan is not good, but he's such a liar to the point where he can walk around in your body 
behaving as if it's you and you will believe that's you. You believe a lot of these characteristics or these personality traits, you believe that they're your own. A lot of people out here are saying, this is just who I am. This is just me. This is just how I think. This is just how I do things. This is learned behavior. Oftentimes, it may not even be learned behavior, but you are possessed. You are possessed by a demon. And God showed me this demon when I was 12. This demon was inside of my body saying, this is my life. And I'm taking her down the hill. And, you know, this demon really believed that, you know, it was me. This demon believes that it's me. It believes my name is its name. It believes that my life is its life. This demon believes that it's me. It's not me. And it takes for God to see into my heart and know who I am. And pull me out and separate me from a demon that has grown up with me. But he's shown me that I'm stronger and I will overcome this. So also, something else that he exposed is that while I was worshiping and praying, it required for me to not wear any clothes because we weren't born with them. Adam and Eve was naked before they bit the forbidden fruit and they started, you know, becoming more aware and questioning different things and started covering themselves. So naturally, you're supposed to be naked. You are supposed to be naked and you are supposed to you are supposed to feel uncomfortable or conscious about your body. You're not supposed to look with look at people with lust. These things aren't supposed to be unnormal, but they are now because the world is so full of sin. So I was going to worship and every single time I would get down to worship, I didn't even realize it. But I was conscious of my body. And God would scream out to me, are you trying to tempt the Lord? Are you trying to tempt the Lord? And he would get so angry. And it would just whip me into shape. And I would just be wondering, like, why? Why would you think I'm tempting you? I'm not tempting you. I didn't, I didn't know what I did. I didn't know what I was doing. But this just shows how much of a hold these demons will have on you, making you believe that these things are natural or normal. It's so, it has such a hold on me that I don't even know that I'm doing it because the Lord is never wrong. So even being conscious of your body, oftentimes we as women, we are, you know, we are flattered by our shape. We're flattered by our assets physically or our looks. God doesn't even want you caring about that. You're not even supposed to be considering how your flesh-like body looks. That's lust. It's it's lust in a way. And it's, you know, it's a sin. So I saw something earlier. A video. This girl said, beauty is not vain. She said that someone posted a video of another Christian YouTuber or TikToker or something of that nature. And this girl 
posted the video of this Christian YouTuber, TikToker. And she said that the girl just, she said that this girl was so wrong because she's so, she's so beautiful and she wears makeup and she gets her hair done and that she's sinning because she's so worried about being pretty and she's so worried about her looks and appearance and that's a sin. And this girl came on there and she said that this girl was wrong for calling her out on it because beauty is not vain. And she quoted a few scriptures, which I I think she said beauty, beauty is not vain. Something about being charming, charming and deceitful. Something I'm sorry. I, I will I will post the scripture when I find it. But all I know is she was wrong. She was wrong. She was wrong and she wasn't. Because she said she, she found two scriptures that were contradicting. I found the same thing. The issue with that is, you know, when God speaks of beauty, he's not talking about appearance. Yes, she was right when she said, the reason why this woman is wrong is because God made my face. He made me this way. And why would that be a sin for me to look this way? And it's never a sin for you to look the way you look. It's a sin for you to care about the way you look so much, you know, or at all. You're not supposed to care about the way you look. You're just not. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with this, but that's because Satan has such a hold on this world. You don't understand. The way you look does not matter. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. When God is talking about beauty, he is talking about character. And you can find many scriptures in the Bible that supports that. The definition of beauty to God is the, the, the person that you decide to be. Specifically, obedience to his scripture and his word. That's what's beautiful to God. What's beautiful to God is kindness and love and selflessness. You know, beauty is character. It is never appearance. Never. God made us all very beautiful. So oftentimes when we're justifying or judging who is beautiful and who isn't, that's a sin. The Bible says, do not judge. Jesus had the ability to judge and he still didn't. So the, the difficult part about that is what is judging then? Because I think I'm pretty, I'm judging. Yes. God has shown me in the process of this that in order for you not to judge, you never form an opinion at all about anything. You just don't have an opinion. And to think that you are pretty, that's an opinion. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I don't even like that scripture anymore. Excuse me, that's not scripture. I don't even like that quote anymore. Because the issue with that is you're saying that beauty is what you can see. Beauty is what you're looking at with your eyes. You know, unless you mean that on a deeper level, 
Meaning, God has given me the sight to see your character. God has given me the sight to see your heart. If you're talking about beauty as far as a body, you're supposed to kill and you're supposed to kill your flesh. You're supposed to die in the flesh daily for Christ. You're never supposed to care about what your flesh look like. This is just skin and bones. We're dirt. We're nothing without God. We're dirt that God breathed life into. So when you care about your looks, that is a sin. And this is how Satan was corrupted because God made him beautiful, perfect. And Satan would look at himself and say, I'm so beautiful. I'm so perfect. I'm so charming. And he began to become prideful, vain, and arrogant. This is, the, this is where vanity, you know, this is the source of Satan's vanity, the way he looks. Satan controls that a lot. And a lot of people are going to disagree with this because maybe they haven't reached that level yet. But when you reach a certain level with God, he will expose that to you. When you are very, when you are concerned about the way that you look, you're sinful. When you're concerned about the way that others look, you're sinful because you don't even realize it, but you're being judgmental and you're not supposed to ever judge anyone, not even yourself. There's no room for judgment. You know, God is the only judge. And if he judges you, he will never be judging you based off how you look. So, yes, it is a sin. Now, the Bible also says that Jesus... He was very attractive, but never in any way was he attractive based off of appearance. Everything about Jesus that was attractive was his character. So that's what beauty is. What made Jesus attractive was who he was, not what he looked like. The Bible says that if you looked at Jesus, you wouldn't have found him attractive from his looks. But his character, the way he carried himself, was attractive. So, obviously, we're not supposed to be caring about how we look. Jesus never did. And also, it's a very clear definition of what, what's supposed to, what is supposed to attract you. And then there's being judgmental. You're not supposed to judge or form an opinion. If you, The Bible says if you even look at someone and you find them attractive far, as based on their looks or you start to think they're cute or, you know, this person is handsome, that's lust. You've committed sin in your heart before you ever even touched them, before you ever even had a conversation with them. You've already committed sin in your heart. You're lusting after them. So appearance is never supposed to be considered but character, and that's a big problem and issue with our society the world we live in now because oftentimes we are with the wrong people based off looks we're never connecting spiritually or actually putting in the time or the work to see inside someone's heart because we're so taken taken back or taken aback by the way that they look and you might say well I don't think it's a big deal but you know, when you find yourself in a wrong relationship, going through all this pain, being tortured by your heart because of the differences that you have 
And if you trickle it back down, it derives back to the fact that you cared about appearance more than you cared about character. You thought that the outside beauty meant more than the inside beauty. That is the consequence to lusting after someone. That's the consequence to not knowing what real beauty is. So we're all suffering. We don't even know it. We're being tortured daily. I can't even... um, I can't even count how many people I've met that said, F love. I hate love. Love is pain. And, you know, they're just so brokenhearted at an early age by the different people that they've dated. And it's, you know, it's probably not hard to discover that they were attracted to that person based off of appearance on the outside and not inside. So... Our consequences to our sin are usually what we get when we do it. You know, oftentimes we're saying, I'm going to wait for God to avenge me. He already has. Oftentimes we're saying that, you know, I know I'm going to have consequences or this person is going to have consequences. You already have the consequences. Are you hurting? You know, are you, aren't you being tortured? Don't you feel tormented? You know, have you gone through pain, struggle, strife? These are the consequences to our sin. So a lot of times we're just not taking as much accountability as we should be. We're saying that a lot of the stuff we're going through in this world is unfair and that it shouldn't have happened to us and that we're innocent or that we don't deserve the things that have happened to us. We're not really taking into account God's word and When you start to take that to account, you start to realize, you know, a lot of times God just hands us over to our own sin, meaning he doesn't even have to do anything. You're already suffering because of the decisions that you made outside of his truth, outside of his word. So that's that's the scariest part, I think, to me. You know, you could live your entire life in ignorance, never knowing the truth in God's word. And that's your suffering. That's your consequence. Never knowing better. Never knowing better would be your consequence. You know, a lot of people think nothing ever happened to this person. They got away with everything that they did. And no, they didn't. They didn't get away with it, actually. They suffered the entire time because they didn't know any better. They never were reprimanded. They never had consequences. They weren't elevated. That's a consequence. So, in this process, as God has been transforming me, everything that he's shown me, everything he has shown me compared to what I thought I knew before, in the process of it, I'm crying. I'm crying happy tears, relief, freedom. I'm being free because I'm looking back at, All the stuff I used to think was okay. Everything I used to think, oh, it's nothing wrong with that. Or that's not a big deal. Or I don't agree with that. Or I feel like this is okay. And I would have never known anything. I would have probably went however long. I, I had gone so long never even knowing better. Like a big portion of that is... My entire life, I thought I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. 
I said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ. I know he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. I have been, I have been practicing that since Sunday school, since I was around like five or six, maybe seven years old, even was baptized. But not until last year did I ever truly accept Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I went 23 years of my entire life never having truly known Jesus Christ, never having truly understood the magnitude of his sacrifice for us. But I swore I had already accepted him. I swore that he was my Lord and Savior. I swore that I was a believer and I didn't even have faith the size of a mustard seed. This is so important. These things are so important. And if you don't agree with it, you just don't agree with it. Hopefully, by God's grace, he will open your eyes and he will guide you to the truth. But if he doesn't, then that's your consequence. Your consequence is never knowing. So the version of myself that I saw I may not have agreed with a lot of different aspects about her, but the more that I'm being transformed into her, the more I'm seeing who God is. And the more I'm truly understanding that each and every single last word in that Bible is to be abided by a hundred percent because it's necessary. God does nothing for him. He has everything. He's okay. He's good. Everything he does, everything he says, everything he is, is for us. It's for us. So, when you understand that, and it takes maturity, because a lot of times you hear your parents saying that. You know, your parent, you grow up, if you grow up with a parent, your parent oftentimes will be like, I don't do anything for me. I go to work for you, I pay the bills for you. You know, I go to school for you. Everything I do is for you. And you don't understand that. You don't understand the magnitude of that until you get older. They're doing this for you. My mom used to always say, my, my dad used to always say, I'm out of school. I'm done. I don't, I don't have to go to school anymore. This is for you. You have to go to school. You're the one in school, not me. Everything I'm doing is for you. Don't cheat yourself. It's so true. If you cheat, you're cheating yourself. You cannot skip steps or cut corners. You will pay off. It will. You will have to pay for those consequences in the long run. That's what I'm going through right now. Excuse me. When I was younger, it was so many different times where I decided to suffer and stay true to who I was, being led by who I felt that God was guiding me to be it was so many different things that you know I actually listened to him on but it was so many different things that I didn't and I'm suffering for each and every single last thing that I did not do I'm making up for it now I have to I'm being called by God and I have to reap the consequences of everything I ignored everything I didn't do every path I didn't take when he was guiding me So if you go and you make that mistake, you will have to make up for it. There will be consequences, whether immediate or later. I'd rather have my consequences now because when you have consequences seven and ten years down the line, the only thing you're thinking about is how you can't get that time back. 
how wrong you were for so long. You cannot take it back. You don't get that time back. You don't get to go back and change anything. So it's a blessing when you get consequences right now. It's a blessing when you're caught. It's a blessing when you don't get away with something. And God is exposing that on a whole nother level now. It's also growing up. It's I'm maturing. God is maturing me. So there's so many things I'm learning. And I'm still so, you know, I still feel so far from where I should be. I'm I, I'm not probably as far as I think I am. You know, God is always reminding me of that. Well, God has reminded me of this before. He's not always reminding me, but he has reminded me of this before. You're not as far off as you think you are. You're never as bad as you think you are. You know, when you're humble and you're saying, you know, I don't have a chance. I'm not good enough. I'm a sinner. You know, I deserve hell or I won't ever make it. I won't ever have this because I don't deserve it. You're not as bad as you think you are. You're not as far up as you think you are. But oftentimes, you still have to check that attitude that makes you feel as if you're better than someone else. Or you're further along than you think you are. Or you're bigger or greater than you think you are. The Bible says you are not allowed into God's presence without a spirit of humility. God requires for us to be extremely humble. And a lot of us, like we are so far from that. So far and I know I still am. I know I have been for so long. But in my future, I won't be. And that's what I look forward to. More aspects about my character. When I become who I will be one day in God. The woman of God that I will be. Like, no makeup. That is true. Makeup is a sin. And I've even read somewhere that it comes from hell. The marine kingdom, you know, it was Satan worshipers who sacrificed people, random strangers, you know, caused car accidents, caused miscarriages and abortions, all kinds of things. And they said that makeup was from hell, that when you're in hell, you marry Satan and makeup on your face is like automatic. It's automatic and you look so gorgeous in it and all these you know, all this stuff that they're saying. And they're saying that's where it originated. Makeup originated in hell. And God never said that to me. Not per se. He may have guided me and led me to that word. So he might still be saying it. But what he did say is that I'm not supposed to wear it. He told me, he, he God led me away from wearing makeup. He led me away from doing my hair and wearing weave. He led me away from nails he led me away from a lot of beauty products god even exposed to me how a lot of these companies that make these beauty products are you know actually have a plot and a ploy to destroy and a lot of the products found in these beauty products are stripping us they are killing us they are actually poisoning us and I know it's a lot of people talking about what this one is non-gmo or alcohol free or all this other stuff none of it none of it 
wear what you were born in. No makeup, no weave. And you're not even supposed to wear your hair out. You're supposed to wrap your hair up. Unless you're a man. But a lot of men aren't even behaving in a manner that they're supposed to. Men are supposed to get haircuts. Men are supposed to get tattoos. No one's supposed to get tattoos. Men are supposed to get lineups. You're not even supposed to cut your hair as a woman. You're not supposed to comb it. You're not supposed to touch your hair. So it's a lot of things that we think that we're okay in doing and we're wrong. You read your Bible. It's all there. It's all there. So it's so much stuff that God has been leading me away from. And I'm learning. Now, something I've been conflicted with and conflicted on is money. Now, the Bible says you cannot worship God and money. You you have to pick one. But God gave King Solomon everything. King Solomon, he was very rich. One of the richest kings to ever have ruled over Israel. And... He was very lavish and luxurious, but King Solomon wrote in many different scriptures and passages in the Bible how money, you know, made him vain. Money is, you know, it it led him further and further and further away from God. His luxurious lifestyle, his many wives, his big castle, and... All of the luxurious behavior he participated in, it created a gaping hole in his heart that he realized the hard way only God can feel. That money will never be able to fill that hole in your heart like God can. It's in the Bible. It's in Ecclesiastes. I believe in wisdom of Solomon too, and probably even Second Kings, if I'm not mistaken. But King Solomon wrote about how empty he felt because of all the money he had, even though God gave it to him because he was being led further and further away from God. And towards the end of King Solomon's life, well, first of all, let's start here. In the beginning of King Solomon's career, God told him, if you ever worship any other God other than me, I will turn my back on you. And towards the end of King Solomon's life, that's exactly what he did. He, he got so caught up in the money and the women and the lavish lifestyle that he worshiped false gods. And God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He turned his back on King Solomon. King Solomon died without God. As anointed as he was, as much as he did for the kingdom of God, he died without him. Because money led him further and further away from God. Vanity. These different things. And... If you read Song of Solomon, you will see that a lot of the poems seem to refer to appearance. They say things like, you know, they they speak about boobs, buttocks, you know, body, a lot of that stuff. And even though it's in the Bible, these this I, I fear because I'm still learning, may 
have been a big contribution to what led to that gaping hole in Solomon's heart. A lot of these women lusted after Solomon. Solomon had a big issue with lust. And he speaks about what it did for his relationship with God. So these things matter. And this is truth. This is warnings. Take heed. And God, he didn't snatch the kingdom out of Solomon's hand, but he snatched it out of his son's hand and he split it up. So oftentimes the sins of you will not even fall off on you, but on your children. So you have to take that into account. If you are not a selfish individual, what you need to understand is that even if you don't suffer in your lifetime for what you've done, your children may suffer for what you've done. Your children's children may suffer for what you've done. Your descendants may suffer for what you did long after you're gone. And I know firsthand what that's like because I'm fighting every single day to break generational curses off of my family. I've encountered my ancestors and they were all full of themselves. They said, we hate Jesus. And I couldn't believe it. I said, you hate Jesus? They said, yes. Why is he showing up now for you? All the times we called on him. And Jesus just didn't, you know, he said this, he just showed me. He didn't really say a word, like, he didn't say much about it, but he showed me their behavior. They were nasty. They were very nasty to me. They even did everything in their power to stop me from accomplishing my destiny in God. They're in hell. My ancestors are in hell. And they all was there. They all got to be there and see this. And they hate me. They hated me for this. They hate Jesus. This is what I'm dealing with. We have to start taking accountability for our lives now so that your children, your descendants won't be making up for the mistakes that you made standing in the gap for your false God worship. Because God will require that. He will require your children's children's children to stand in the gap for a mistake that you made, a deal you made with Satan. A false God you worship. People are out here saying, People are out here saying that karma is going to get you. Do you understand that karma is an entirely different religion and a false one? That is idolatry. Don't even use the word karma. You can't even use that word. So it's so much stuff we're doing wrong. It's so much stuff we're doing wrong. And me personally, I wouldn't ever want anything that I did in my lifetime to fall on my children or their children or their children. That's selfish and it's messed up. And this is why I'm fighting so hard, but I can't fight harder. And I have to take accountability for that too. But I know firsthand, as I said, no one's helping me break this generational curse off my family, but God himself. No one wants to even see me have it, not even my ancestors for who knows how many generations back. No one cares this much. And I'm suffering so bad for this. And I will probably have suffered so much more by the end of this process. But 
at least I'm given opportunity. People don't understand that God, he is stern. He is sure because he knows everything. He doesn't make a mistake. But he's merciful and he's gracious. And I'm blessed to be given this opportunity. And I don't know if it was my ancestors that said it, but someone said to me, at least you're given this opportunity. I will give anything. I will give an arm, a leg, my whole head for an opportunity to get out of hell. You don't understand what you are faced with. This is real. This is serious. The things we are going through is for real. But my ancestors, as nasty as they were to me at one point, and I don't want to keep slandering them, but as nasty as they, you know, they were, what they did was, you know, they didn't say it, but I know they were so proud of me. They were proud, but they would never say it. I, you know, I feel that I had a conversation with them. Like, aren't you proud? And, you know, they never said it. They wouldn't say it, but they showed it. They showed how proud they were. You know, they were very excited to have, you know, witnessed what was going on. What is going on. So... It's messed up because you want to believe there's so many people out here worshiping their ancestors, saying, my ancestors did this, my ancestors do that. I'm going to pray to my ancestors. I'd rather worship my ancestors. You don't understand that your ancestor was probably just like you, if not worse. We One thing that God said to me was, we haven't changed in over 2,000 years. We're the same people we've always been. So imagine all the mistakes you make and how wrong you are every single day. Imagine worshiping someone who could have made a worse mistake than you. Imagine looking up to someone who probably doesn't, don't even care about you. Even though they know you're their descendant. They don't care about themselves. They don't care about you. And you're worshiping them. We are so led astray. We are so lost. Jesus is the only one who can guide us. We are living in a world where the blind leads the blind, and we want to worship our ancestors. If you could experience what I experienced in actually encountering them, you would not worship them, I promise. Because you might as well worship your neighbor. You might as well worship your friend down the street. You might as well worship a stranger on the road. Because... Maybe your ancestors are possibly different. I don't want to speak for everyone's ancestors, but I just want to say that no human is worthy of worship. It's idolatry. No human. And if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping Satan. So, this is what's, you know, this is what's so... difficult about what I'm going through I do have family members in heaven though God showed me my older sister my mother had a miscarriage her first child was a miscarriage and she thought they were twins but it was a girl and I met her my big sister she's in heaven and only thing she said to me is that no she said a few things but she said that I'm lazy and that what it is that I'm 
am trying to obtain is obtainable. I can do this. She tried to help me get up and do it. But I felt as if I was going to die. And her, her words haunt me because I still haven't gotten up to do it yet. But God says that I will. He says he knows that I will and I will. But I know the longer I put it off, the more I suffer. So these are things I'm experiencing in this process. And I've seen my future. I will I will get this. God said I will get there. I will have it. He wouldn't show me my future of me having it and say that I will have it if I won't. God never tells a lie. Ever. He doesn't have to lie to us. He's not a man. So... I just know I'll just have to do whatever it takes to get there. I'll just have to get up and do it. No one else is going to do it for me, and I can't worship my ancestors because they don't even like Jesus. I love Jesus. I need Jesus, and I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed to have this opportunity. I hate that I take advantage of it, but, you know, God is still giving me it. I still have it, so we'll see what happens then. I pray that this can help anybody. It's way too many people led astray. Actually believing that your ancestors can do a better job for you than Jesus Christ himself. If you met them, you'd probably be amused. But it will probably give you a wake-up call on how, you know, they can't teach you or, or give you anything that Jesus can do better. It's, it's really sad because I'm not trying to slander them. Like, I love them. I really do love them. But they didn't even like me. They didn't even like me. So take that into account when you worship in your ancestors. Like, do they even like you? you? Do you know? You know? So... I saw this video of this woman who said, I'd rather worship my ancestors because I was tired of so many of my prayers going unanswered by God. And she said she leaves liquor out because it's the only time they show up. Her uncle was an alcoholic. And I said, so your ancestor can do better for you, but the only time you show up is when you put out a, a cup of liquor? That right there should have been the first sign to go back to Jesus. But, you know... She was spiteful. She was hurt. She was trying to hurt God because she felt her answer, her prayers weren't being answered. And oftentimes this is what it trickles down to. You're hurt. You're bitter. You're resentful. And you're trying to spite God. Don't let the devil win. Don't let him use you to hurt God because he can't hurt God anymore. He can use you to hurt God because God loves you so much that everything you do to hurt yourself hurts him 10 times more so Satan's going to come after you because he knows that God you're you're God's most precious possession so he's going to hurt you to hurt God he don't care about you he's not giving you really nothing so this is just things I learned in this process and I know I'm still hurting God when I'm not doing everything I should be doing but hope I can help or motivate anybody who who may 
who may want, who this may be the answer to your questions or I just hope my testimony can help and guide you. I was thinking earlier after watching the testimony of someone else that their testimony really helped me or helped someone and it took for them to put it out there for it to get to me and open my eyes to who Jesus was. So this does help and I do think that he give us these experiences to share with people. So I said it it probably really is a good thing that I'm sharing this. And I I trust that it'll get to the right people and fall on the right ears. There was this girl. She was, I believe, in Mexico. And she, she said that Jesus, she said that she went to church one day. And they all gathered around her and said, she's going to die today. And she said that Jesus came to her and said that she was going to die. And she died right there in the church. Jesus came and got her. He took her to hell. And he showed her Selena in hell and so many other of her family members, other people. In hell suffering when she came back. She told everybody and everybody said it's a miracle because you were dead. And now she's sharing her testimony. I watched this testimony years ago. And now I'm seeing God work and maneuver these miracles in my own life right now. So I know it's real. And this testimony helped me. Helped me get closer to Jesus. It helped me in this situation where I didn't have the answers. I didn't understand what I was going through. And Satan was trying to deceive me into believing that it was something else. That it wasn't God. He kept trying to tell me God is not real. This is not God. You don't know God. God is not going to save you. And this, these testimonies are what helped me keep the faith and endure through my trials and get through it. They saved my life. They helped to save my life. Jesus saved my life, but they helped to keep me motivated and keep me faithful in him. So I hope my testimony can help someone like that, too. This is real. This is real. And whether you learn it now or you learn it later or you never learn it at all, it's real. It's real. It's happening. I pray that everybody is brought to repentance. I don't want to be spiteful. Resentful or bitter. Or or miserable. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell after everything that's happened to me. I still will fight for anybody. I won't wish this on my worst enemy. I'm doing the best that I can. Well, I'm not doing the best that I can, but I'm trying. I'm still trying. And I pray that I can do the best that I can. I get up and I start doing the best that I can. But before I go, love your ancestors, though. You know? They are a part of you still. Just don't worship them. Don't worship anybody. Only God is worthy to be worshipped, period. Even if your ancestors were 
you know, the best ancestors you could have, they're still not worthy of God's praise. That's idolatry. Worship God and God only. Because you will be made look like a fool if you don't. Why would you ever worship someone who can make a mistake and be wrong? As opposed to worshiping a perfect God who's never made a mistake and can never be wrong. He never loses. And he's the almighty power. I'd rather worship him. Because you can trust him. So. That's my advice. We're so lost. But. Maybe this is the generation where we will be found. Finally. I feel that I've seen it. And that it can happen. And I want that. I'm going to fight for that.